Today on the Heartland Community Church Podcast, we welcome back special guest teacher, Susie Gomez. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for receiving me so warmly this morning. Uh, As Steve said, I'm actually flying in from Southern California. And so know that me having the joy of the Lord this morning, it really has to be credited to the joy of the Lord. Uh, I came from 65 or so degree weather, and even that was a little cold to me. Uh, But being here this morning, really, I I feel the warmth of the people, so I don't even feel the cold. Amen? But I'm also honored to be here with you this morning because it's a special day. It's February 14th. You know, February 14th, you look at that date on your calendar and many of you think celebration. Uh, February 14th, some of you will be celebrating today because, of course, it's the second week of Black History Month. And some of you will also be celebrating because it's Valentine's Day. Uh, But here's a quick little note for you. I'm also celebrating in addition to that because it's Lunar New Year. And some of you might know it as Chinese New Year, but many Asian cultures, myself being from the Korean background, uh, celebrate the Lunar New Year. So in some, this weekend is just a weekend of celebration. So I hope that today you feel seen, you feel loved, and you feel celebrated. I also hope that this message today will leave you feeling encouraged. It'll leave you feeling inspired. Maybe in some moments you might even feel a little convicted. But I hope that you'll hear the word today and that you'll be able to say that it was good because God did something in your heart, that the Holy Spirit met you, that we read in the word and it transformed you. So I pray that uh, as we look into the word, your heart will be ready to receive what God wants to do. Um, So on that note, let's look at John 6, and we're going to start in verse 5 and read through till verse 13. It says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Uh, You know, I have um, four kids and they're all aged nine and under. So while it's been nice to have a lot of good quality time together at home during this pandemic, It's been a lot of time together. And it feels like our home has somehow felt smaller in the midst of this pandemic. And it feels like even though there's only four of them, it feels like sometimes it feels like there's 40 of them in the house. And, um, you know, during this time, 
I think some parents might be able to relate to me. There's, there's, we have to be creative in our parenting sometimes. So uh, don't judge me here, but I have to resort to bribing. Uh, bribing my kids sometimes to just cooperate and act a little nicer and do what I tell them to do. So in our home, uh, ice cream is often the default incentive that we use, right? You're not mad at ice cream, right? Even when it's cold, we all like some ice cream. And I remember when the kids were smaller, I used to shop at Costco and I'd think to myself, when are we going to finish all of this? And when there were less of the kids, you know, I used to think shopping at Costco just feels like too much. But these days, and you can probably relate to this too, right? Even if you don't have four kids, Costco-sized shopping just seems like the norm, So this one day when I promised the kids that they could have ice cream if they finished all their schoolwork, uh, when it was time for them to collect on their reward, my oldest daughter, she, she runs to the freezer, she pulls out the tub of ice cream, and then instantly this look of panic washes over her face. She picks it up and she says, Mommy, I don't think there's enough. It feels too light. I don't think there's going to be enough ice cream for all of us. And so sure enough, she pulls back the lid. She looks inside and there's probably enough for maybe like a little two-year-old sized ice cream cone. Now in the mind of young children, this is like a catastrophe. They look at me and they're like, Mommy, how could you let this happen? Did you not know that there was not going to be enough? Mommy, tell Daddy to go to the store and get some more ice cream right now. I don't care if he's working. He needs to go to the store right now. And actually, that's not what my kids said to me because they know better. They don't talk to me like that. But they did look panicked. And they did say, Mommy, what are we going to do? There's not enough. You know, in this context, it sounds like a cute little kid story. But how many of us grown folks get into panic mode? Maybe we feel a little anxious or worried when we start to think that there's not enough. See, what my kids didn't know was that this was Costco ice cream. So when Costco ice cream tub number one ran out, mommy knew that it wasn't no big deal because tub number two was fully loaded and ready to go. See, the kids didn't know that what we needed was already there. And it wasn't reason for panic. See, there's a few parallels that we can draw here between this ever so relatable story about running out of ice cream and Jesus feeding the 5,000. Also, we know that there was more than 5,000 people there, right? Because the text says that there was only 5,000 men. There were women and children there as well. And last time I checked, women and children are people too. So it was probably more like 15, maybe even 25,000 people that were there. So this was no small miracle for Jesus to feed this many people. There were a multitude of hungry people who needed food. Demand was high, but supply was low. It seemed like there wasn't enough. But in actuality, what they needed was already there. They just didn't know it yet. What are we going to do, Mommy? There's not enough ice cream. What are we going to do, Jesus? There's all these hungry people here. And we don't have enough money to feed all of them. We've got these five loaves and these two fish, but that's not enough for everyone. How many of us get stuck in this not enough mindset? You know, worry and anxiety can often stem from a not enough mindset. 
I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about next week. I don't know about next month. I don't know what's going to happen next year. And I get it. We're in the middle of a global pandemic still. We still don't know what next month or next year is going to look like. So, so th these are valid fears and worries. And I get it. This is a very human condition for us to worry about what's going to come next. We start to think, what if I lose my job? What if I can't get a job in this economy? What if the money runs out? What if I can't pay the bills? Some of us may be in a different situation, like right now you might be okay, but you might be tempted to start worrying about, well, what if I give sacrificially now, but then I end up being that person who ends up in need? What if I champion equity and justice and I end up losing out on opportunities because of it? What if I cheer someone else on and, and I throw them some shine, I put the spotlight on them, and then I get overlooked because I've been shining the spotlight on them. You know, we might think that it's a silly little kid problem when there's not enough ice cream, but the adult version of these problems aren't so different. All of these things can stem from a not enough mindset. There's not enough for all of us. And I'm afraid that I won't get what I need or maybe what I want if I have to share. Now, I'm not preaching this to you as if I don't struggle with this sometimes myself. And I'm not saying that I don't still struggle with this sometimes on a daily basis. Little things and big things, there's a lot of things to worry about. And, and, and when we get consumed with our worry, I want to propose that maybe we're sitting outside of the peace that comes from abiding in Christ. Sometimes when we get anxious, I wonder if we need to stop and pause and ask the Prince of Peace to take authority over our mind and our spirit in that moment because our worry and anxiety can get us so focused on what's not enough and we start to take our eyes off of he who is more than enough. I wonder if we need to get ourselves back centered in the presence of Jesus so that our worries don't seem so overwhelming and so big. Now, I want to pause here, too, just for a second, because I want to be careful. Absolutely, prayer, meditation, centering yourself in the presence of Jesus is absolutely necessary in fighting anxiety and overcoming fear and worry. But I also want to say this. We need to seek out extra help sometimes as well. I am all for therapy and counseling, and even if you need some medication to help get you back to a healthy place, these things are not things that we should hide in shame from. And I think it's important to say this because some of us come from family traditions or communities that will tell us that it's shameful or embarrassing to seek out this kind of help. But you know, isolation is a really scary place to stay in. God didn't mean for us to fight through these things alone. He provided community for us. And sometimes those medical professionals are just what we need. I'm so glad that Heartland knows what it is to respond to people's need in community. I saw over social media and even just right now over the announcements, I saw a reflection of that. I saw the way that Heartland responded to the need of the community around you. You, you not only provided boxes for the elderly, I, I heard that you started off doing 500 and then the blessing got multiplied and you provided 1,000 this time around. So praise God, you already know what it is to be a part of the multiplication 
multiplication of a blessing. If you are willing to be the hands and feet of God, God will take what little you have to offer, what little you have to offer, and multiply it to be a blessing to the people around you. So please know that God wants to work in partnership with you. We can be a part of the solution to people's worries about whether or not there's going to be enough. And so you can look at this text in the Bible about feeding the 5,000. You could look at the disciples and their worry. And you could, you could argue, you know what, Susie, I don't think that their, their worrying was actually really a bad thing, though, because weren't they just worried for the people? They were worried that the people wouldn't have enough to eat. They were, taking, they were looking out for them. Um, all these people were desperate to be around Jesus. These tens of thousands of people had followed the miracle worker because they heard that he did miracles. You know, Jesus and the disciples were actually trying to get away from the crowd. They had taken a boat and they were trying to go off to a remote place to get some rest, but the crowds followed them there. The crowds followed them there and then Jesus took the time to be with them and it was getting late and they needed food. You know, in the Matthew account in chapter 14, verse 15, it says that the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So yes, perhaps the disciples were just looking out for the needs of the people. But you know, to be honest, I think they were just tired. And they wanted the people to go away. You know, remember, I'm a mom at home with her four kids during a pandemic. So I know what it's like to love people but want them to go away sometimes. We need that rest. But you know, when Jesus saw the crowds, it says that Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. Because he saw them, and to him, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless. And so Jesus, filled with compassion, gave of himself to them. So I'm not saying that the disciples were void of compassion. But I, I think at this point, they just didn't have as much urgency as Jesus did. I don't think that they even had enough, uh, as, as much stamina as Jesus did. Because remember, some of these disciples are the same guys who, when Jesus, in his deepest need, asked them to stay up and pray, and they fall asleep. You know, some of these disciples weren't uh, as, as, as shepherd-hearted as Jesus as this, at this point. Jesus saw the need of the people, and yet he had compassion. I want you to note this too, though. Jesus, while he was fully God, also came to this earth in the flesh of a man. So Jesus, yes, he did get tired. Jesus needed food. He needed water. He needed rest. And so Jesus tries to get away from the crowd, and yet they come to him because they were desperate. They didn't know that they were desperate for Jesus himself. They thought they were coming just to see a miracle, but they were actually hungry for Jesus himself. You know, Jesus at this point is actually even grieving. Not only is he tired physically, he's, he's grieving emotionally. This is one of the few stories that is accounted for in every gospel text. Um, in the other gospel accounts of this same story, it tells us that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. So John, his cousin, the one who was born to prepare the way of the Lord, spent his whole life pointing to Jesus John had just been killed in a very public, gruesome, and humiliating way. And Jesus knew of the fate that 
awaited him. So Jesus uh, was tired physically, spiritually, emotionally, and no doubt the disciples were too. So in their tiredness, they tell Jesus, tell the crowds to go away. There's not enough anyway. Tell them to go away, Jesus, because all we have is this little boy who's got two fish and five loaves. It's not enough. Can I tell you, I love this little boy in the story so much. This little boy with his, his loaves and fish. He, he, he was overlooked by the disciples. He seemed insignificant. But then this little boy gets to partner up with God Almighty and he gets to be part of an incredible miracle. You know, not only did they get to witness a miracle, they got to partake in one. This was a miracle like none other. So all these thousands of people got to witness a miracle and this little boy got to be a part of that miracle making. You know, when I was a kid, I used to picture the five loaves and, and two fish to be like those big baguette breads. Uh, and I used to think that the fish were like those good meaty fish that you could stick a skewer through and you could like cook over a crackling fire. But you know, these barley loaves were actually, they, they were a poor man's food. This was a poor kid's lunch because barley loaves, they weren't like that artisan sourdough that you get in the bakery. They weren't like those fluffy brioche buns that you can put grass-fed organic butter all over. This wasn't a fancy meal. The barley loaves were more like crackers, actually. So they weren't of much sustenance. They weren't very fancy. And the fish, they weren't big meaty fish. They were pickled fish. So probably more like a sardine or an anchovy. Now think about this lunch. Most of us would have looked at this lunch and thought, this ain't much. Why would I offer this up to Jesus? This doesn't look like all that much. But this little boy, he was there close enough to Jesus amidst all these tens of thousands of people. I think that his proximity to Jesus actually spoke to his desperation to be near the miracle worker. I think that this little, little boy was desperate to see a miracle. And I believe that he believed that God could do it. He believed that Jesus could take his, his little humble lunch, multiply it, and make it something miraculous. So I love the faith of this little boy. We've been talking about how many of our fears and our worries stem from a place of thinking that there's not enough. I want to challenge us here to think a little deeper. I think that sometimes... Our fears are not so much just that there's not enough to go around. I think sometimes our fears are a little deeper than that. I think sometimes we fear that we're not enough. We feel like this little boy who's got a humble little lunch. We feel like all I've got is some crackers and some sardines. What's the world going to do with this? What's God going to do with this? I think we believe that who we are and what we have to offer is not enough. I want to push us just a little bit deeper here too. Because when you look a little deeper, I think that what you'll find is that the real issue is not only do we think that there's not enough to go around, not only do we sometimes believe the lie that we don't have much to offer, I think the root of the problem is that we might actually believe the lie that God is not enough. 
You know, when we can't have enough faith to believe that there will be enough, when we don't have enough faith that God wants to work in us and through us, then ultimately the problem is that we don't believe that we actually are sons and daughters of God. There's a problem with our identity. If we don't believe that God is who he says he is and we are who he says we are, then we're not going to live into our identity as ambassadors for Jesus. We're not going to live into our identity as a part of the royal priesthood. Will we recognize that we bear the image of God? Will we recognize, like Ephesians 2.10 says, that we are his handiwork, that we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do? Will we believe these truths about ourselves? Because if, if we believe the lie that there's not enough and that we're not enough, then we're not really believing the truth of this word. We need to believe that we are who God says we are. We need to believe that the word is true and we need to believe that God is who he says he is. God is enough. God is more than enough. And I hope that you can sit in this truth. I hope that you can go home maybe for like a good 10, 15, maybe even an hour. You can sit in the truth that God is good. I want you to challenge yourself. If you've got fear and worry and anxiety, challenge yourself. Sit, sit with the word open before you. Sit with some worship on. But just sit in the presence of God and ask yourself, do I really believe that God is who he says he is? And then as a result of that, will you believe that you are who God says you are? Will you believe that you are on mission with God? That God has good intentions for this world and he wants to work out those good intentions through you. He has good plans in store. All you need, is, it's a little mustard-sized faith. All you need is a faith the size of five loaves and two fish. Many of us know Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, pre present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what does Jesus do before he breaks the bread and the fish and it, and it gets multiplied? He prayed. He gave thanks. And then the peace of God, the miracle of God that transcends all understanding was imparted. Church, I want to encourage us to take what's in our hands, even if it just feels like some crackers and some pickled fish. Offer it up before God. Give thanks. And the peace of God will be multiplied. You know, God, he not only provides your daily bread, but he himself is the bread of life. Throughout the rest of John 6, Jesus teaches he is the bread of life. In verses 48 through 51, he elaborates. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a person may eat and die. But I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, they will live forever. This bread is my flesh, and I will give it for the, the life of the world. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus again, he takes the bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and then he gives it to his disciples. And he says, this is my body 
broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This was a foreshadowing of the miracle of all miracles that was about to happen. This time, this miracle was going to take place through another, at the time, overlooked offering and broken bread. Jesus offered himself up as a sacrifice, one that at the time of his death looked like it wasn't enough. It looked like the feet when Jesus died on that cross. But through that broken bread, Jesus' broken body, we all got more than enough. At the resurrection, there was proof that the blessing was going to multiply eternity times over. It was going to be multiplied and there was going to be more than enough for the rest of the world. And all who would just sit down and receive what God was giving freely would have more than enough. Jesus, the bread of life, is more than enough. There were basketfuls of bread and fish left over. And if you want to play in the background, I'm fine with that. There were basketfuls of bread and fish left over. And like any good party, there was enough to take a plate home. The blessing is meant to be shared. There's more than enough. God wants to take us from a scarcity mentality. And he wants to take us to an abundance mentality. Jesus, the good shepherd, said in John 10.10, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief comes to make you believe. He wants to make you believe that there's not enough to go around. The thief wants to make you believe that you're not enough. And ultimately, the thief wants to come and make you think that God himself is not enough. But then Jesus came and he said, I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. Church, believe in the one that he has sent. He is more than enough. The things of this world, they will rot, they will rust, they will come to ruin. But God, he is faithful, he is trustworthy, he's kind, he's strong, but he's loving and he's more than enough. The good shepherd, he wants goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life into eternity. And he wants you to bring as many people along with you as you can. This is the God that promises that there is room for you at the Father's house. There's a place for you at the banqueting table. He's got some royal robes ready for you at that party of parties. This is the God that's waiting for you with open arms. He's saying, I want you to come and I want you to bring all your friends with you. Will you commit to being on mission with God? You and I, we're in partnership with the God Almighty to tell the world the good news that there is more than enough. The bread of life, the thing that the world is actually truly hungry for, there's more than enough. And you are more than enough. When in partnership with God, when you say, here I am, Lord, use me. You plus Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, you are more than enough. And so church, would you stand with me right now as I just close in prayer? I want you to do something, maybe just as an act of faith. Would you open up your hands? And this is both a, a posture of, of giving and receiving. I hope that we would be able to stand here this morning and say, God, here's my loaves and my fish. Sometimes it doesn't feel like all that much, but I believe in you. You are the miracle worker. You are the one that can multiply whatever I have in my hands, whatever I can offer to you and to the world. You can do a good work. 
You can multiply the, apply the blessing and there's more than enough to go around. So as you offer it up, know that God is also giving into you. So right now, God, as we pray, we offer ourselves up to you, but we want to receive. Holy Spirit, come have your way in us. As we leave this place this morning, we want to leave changed. We don't want to be the same person that walked in because, God, your, your word is living and true and it can do a transformative thing in our hearts and then the world around us can be transformed because we've allowed you to work in us and through us. So, God, I pray that as we leave this morning that we will know we're going out onto the mission field. Even though the world around us looks really different right now, God, give us creativity. Give us a willingness to be your hands and feet, to be your mouthpiece, to be an expression of love, a world that's so hungry for love. God, allow us to be your expression of love and goodness into this world. And so, God, here we are. Use us. Send us. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Susie Gomez, guest teacher at Heartland. You can experience the service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page, or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.